Tonight, we're talking about activating the anointing because the Lord wants us to take our place in these last days. Amen. If you would turn to, see here where we're going to start. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm excited. <clears throat> this is not the first time, by the way, I've ministered this message. So, um, Brother Hagen used to say, you don't really know how to preach something until you've preached it 50 times. So, I'm working on that. And, um, you know, Brother Hagen uh, delivered all of us from the fear of rep reputation, rep uh, repetition. And uh, so, I, I am glad that uh, as we look into the Word to things that God leads us to look at, that there, there just continues to be more revelation. And the things that I'm going to talk to you about tonight, it's kind of like this. How many of you remember being in maybe uh, uh, grade school, you know, maybe like fifth grade, sixth grade? You remember having coloring books where there was dots and numbers and they, you had to connect the dots with the crown and you just kept on going like this and you went like that and then and you go, oh, it's a bunny rabbit. Right. You, you remember that? Yeah. And then you colored it. Well, there's something about connecting dots in the Word. Sometimes, you know, uh, the deeper things of God doesn't come to the casual observer. Some of the deeper things in God, uh, when you ask God questions, you know, it was the questions when the disciples got alone with Jesus, and, and, and uh, the disciples said, Jesus, what were you talking about all that farming stuff? We're not sure if we get what you were trying to say. And he'd have to say, guys, I'm not talking about just farming, but here's really the whole kingdom of God works on this, on this principle of seed time and harvest. And so sometimes you need to ask God some questions. And we've been asking God some questions. And we've been experiencing some things and then asking some more questions. And so as we've kind of been walking this thing out, the Lord's helped us connect the dots. And, and so now you're, you're going to get the benefit of someone else asking God some questions. But look what it says here in Re Revelation tw chapter 12. And uh, just to give you a little background here on this uh, portion of Scripture, you know there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the, the dragon, the, the devil, and his angels. And how many of you know that, you know, Jesus didn't even get off the throne. God didn't do anything about it. He just, he sent Michael to just handle Satan. He goes, go handle that. I believe Michael, the archangel, just went over there and did one of these numbers, you know. <laughs> And then the Bible says Satan sh was shot out of heaven like a lightning bolt to the earth. And that's when he became the God of this world. And aren't you glad you're in this world but not of it? Yeah. Aren't you glad you have dual, dual cit citizenship? You're in this world, but your citizenship is really in heaven. And so um, tonight, everything we're talking about is, is going to be tied to our, our union with him and that our oneness with him. You know, I, I want to encourage everyone here sometime... Spend a little extra time reading John's Gospel, 15th through the 17th chapter, and, and, and let God show you and reveal to you how one you are, your union with him, how one you are. Jesus said this, he goes, Father, Jesus said, Father, just as you and I are one, and you know how powerful that, that, that relation, that union is. He said, I pray that those to come, that they would know just like you and I are one, they are one with you. Oh, come on now. 
you know, sometimes we get up in the morning, you know, I got to paint him a hooga mooga and I you know, got to hitch him, I get along and you know, and uh, you know, everything's going wrong or something, you know, your, your mind's bombarding you. You need to go, I've got a union with him. Amen. Come on. Amen. We're supposed to be risen with Jesus. Yes. You know, a lot of people that they start praying, they're trying to get their prayers to go to heaven. No, come on up. Start your prayers from up there. Start your prayers. When you start praying, take it. Start your prayers. Launch it from the platform of who you are in Him. Not this low life somewhere. Man, I hope He's hearing me. I hope I can get through to heaven and touch heaven. No, you have a, a union with Him. You, Jesus said, Lord, let them see it just as we are one. Let them know they are one with me and they are one with you. Hallelujah. That has nothing to do with what I'm about to say here. But, but I believe uh, Michael just handled Satan, and Satan became the god of this world. But look what happened. This is an open vision of, that John is having. He's having an open, he's seeing in the spirit realm. He's seeing the future. He's seeing you and I. And it says this, it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the, of the brethren. Just, just like the devil, is, he's an accuser. Isn't that right? And uh, he has come, and, uh, but it says, For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Satan was cast down. And it says in verse 11, they, uh, verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by something. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. And they so much believed the Bible, they were willing to lose their life for the sake of believing the word of God. Well, we could spend a whole seminar on the blood of Jesus and what it means. Do you remember the children of Israel when, God when those plagues were coming to Egypt? And God, how many of you watched the Ten Commandments movie? I mean, everyone has to at some point watch the Ten Commandments movie. You know, there's one part I really don't like about that is when they finally left Egypt, you know, they showed blind people and crippled people. The Bible says there weren't one feeble mind, uh, uh, one feeble, one, uh, what does it say? Non-feeble. Non-feeble. Yeah, non-feeble. Uh, one among them. And so, you know, Hollywood kind of messed it up a little bit. But it says there wasn't one feeble. And they, they left with some treasures. And there wasn't one feeble one among them. And uh, when that, uh, those plagues came because Pharaoh just didn't, he, his heart was hardened because of pride. He just w really wasn't willing to see what God said he must do. And so all those plagues came, and, you know, it's kind of fun to watch how Hollywood did all that part. And, of course, we always we live for the moment seeing the, 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 the waters split, you know, the sea split in two, the Red Sea. But um, remember the, the blood that was put above their doorpost? Yeah. And it's kind of cool to watch how they did that, that, that death cloud, that death angel started coming through Egypt. But God had told them, wherever you apply the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll just stop and let you preach that one to yourself for just a moment. So just got to think about that for a moment. Wherever that blood was applied, 
that, that you, you would hear screams and people dying and pain and all this stuff, but wherever that blood was applied, that death cloud, that death angel just had to go right on by because of the blood of Jesus covered them. You know, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know if uh, it would help for you to have a picture of this, but there's been times, you know, just like anybody else, you know, I, I've got a pretty good grasp of my covenant, redemption, you know, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. But I tell you what, there's just times I have no other better way to stand my ground on my healing. Uh, you know, whether you're sitting on the porcelain, you know, bowl or, you know, or hugging it or whatever. And, and, uh, and I, I've actually like got like I was drawing a bloodline. And I, I'll just say, Okay, devil, see this right here? Yeah. See what I'm doing? This is the blood of Jesus. Hmm. See, for you to come any further onto my body, you would be majorly trespassing. You, you understand? Yeah. And so I'm on this side. Yeah. And what you think you're going to try to put on me, no way. Here's a bloodline. I've got a covenant with Jesus, my older brother, and he paid a price. And he bore the stripes, and by his, by his stripes I was healed. And if I was, then I am. I'm drawing a bloodline. Well, we could just spend, we could spend all night long talking about the, the importance. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to talk to you tonight here about activating the anointing, and specifically the anointing that's on your testimony and how it, it works together with the testimony of God. I'm just going to go ahead and inject this for a moment. Your testimony is the testimony of God. If you're saved, if you've ever been healed, if God's ever come through for you, if he's ever met a financial need, if he's ever brought you an answer that was just in time that just puts you over, it's not just your testimony. It's the testimony of God. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And brethren, when I come to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. How many of you know he has a testimony? How many of you know God has a track record? How many of you know that there's zero failure with him? It says, I came to you declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, how many of you know Paul knew a whole lot? Yeah. Nearly wrote, what, three quarters of the New Testament? He said, I know a lot of things, but really, here's the most important thing. I don't really determine to know anything but this one truth, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you with weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching, my speech, my preaching, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but my speech and my preaching is a demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith would stand in the power of God. What? My speech and my preaching is a demonstration and causes demonstration. I want to say that again. My speech. Everyone say my speech. My speech. It's not just a preacher's speech. And this is what I'm going to 
by, by the help of the Holy Spirit, get this into you tonight. Your speech and your testimony and what you preach and what you declare is your testimony. Now listen to this. It has yoke-destroying, activated ingredients on it. Yoke-destroying. Everyone say, yoke-destroying. Yoke power of God. Activated ingredients on it. How many of you know that last year, in the year 2018, in February, Brother Billy Graham passed away and went to, to be home with the Lord? Him and his son, Franklin, got it to where if they were in an interview, they could share the whole gospel message, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They could preach the gospel in two and a half minutes or less. And if you've ever seen Brother Graham or, or Franklin Graham in an interview, as a minister, I would watch. And it never failed. They're always looking for the, the, for the entrance. Because this news person, they're just trying to ask the questions they want to. But, but Brother Graham was always looking for a way to preach the gospel. And all they had to do was say it one time, one certain thing, one phrase, one question, and all of a sudden you could see him go in, and for two and a half minutes he would preach the entire message of the gospel of Christ. And do you realize that that was well over 2,000 years ago? And do you realize today where people are preaching the gospel around the world, and something that happened 2,000 years ago, when, is, when there's a testimony and someone begins to declare and proclaim and teach and preach the testimony of God, two, over 2,000 years ago, the power of God, the yoke-destroying power of God that has activated ingredients on it is released and people are saved, delivered, and freed all around the world today. Today it happened. Of something that happened 2,000 years ago. That's because your testimony is alive. Yes. Right. Your testimony is alive. My speech, he said, and my preaching, not with enticing words. No one can argue with your encounter and your testimony with God. No one can. No one can talk you out of you being filled with the Holy Ghost. How many people, you are glad to say you are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak with other tongues? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, man, we're about ready to blast off, I'm telling you what. Turn, if you would, to Titus. Titus, tell you what, this is just going to keep getting better here. Titus, it says this, Titus, hallelujah, Titus, the first chapter, verse 2, it says, in hope of eternal life, chapter, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. He cannot lie. He doesn't tell the truth. He is truth. But has in due time manifested his word through preaching. I want you to see that tonight. I want that to go into you. I want the Holy Spirit to cause this to be real to you, that God manifests his word through preaching. 
You have a testimony if you're saved. You have a testimony if you're filled with the Spirit. You have a testimony. How many of you have ever really needed God to come through for you in the area of finances? I, I would say just pretty much every one of us. H have you prayed? Have you asked God for Him to meet and, and come through for you? And man, you really didn't know how it was going to happen. Oh. And I mean, and he came through just in time. Yeah. I mean, how many of you would say, and be honest, say, all of us feel like we wish it was sooner. <laughs> you know, we all, we all can testify we wish it was sooner. But you know what? He came through. You know, sometimes our bad decisions, sometimes we need to give God time to help orchestrate some things and line some things up to get us in the right place so he can provide that thing that we're needing for him to do. But God is faithful. Yes, he is. So you got a testimony, but think about this. Every experience you've had in God, whether it was a, a time in his presence, the day that you got saved, maybe one of the times of many times you were healed. This is your testimony, but the thing is, what's cool, so awesome is it's interwoven with his testimony because he's the one that did it. So when you tell it, you're telling his testimony. You could almost say that it's, it's no lesser than the testimony of the word of God because this word is just basically testifying of him. So when he does something for you, and then it becomes a part of you, it's a part of him. Right. If the Bible was still being written, it's very possible you, your testimony and my testimony might be in here yeah. because it's a testimony of the Lord. You see that? Yeah. You know, I have a testimony where when I was about seven or eight years old, um, I used to have the worst case of allergies and asthma a person could have. It was horrible. My mom had to bathe me with special soaps. I couldn't eat ice cream. I couldn't get around certain animals. I couldn't pet a cat or a dog. I mean, it was a horrible way for a, a little boy to live. My, my skin would break out in rashes. I mean, it, it was just bad. And then on top of that, I had asthma. You know, you got the inhaler thing, and there'd be times my mom would have to come in, and, you know, she, it was, you know, for some reason, you know, they Vicks Vapor Rub was a big thing, you know, kind of help you. I mean, that was big when I was growing up. And I thought, Mom, you don't have to, like, you know, cover me completely. You know, it's like, you know, rub all that on, your, on my chest, you know, so I could inhale that. And uh, many nights I went to bed like that. And one time my parents went on a vacation, took me and my brothers, and we were on this vacation. My parents were in North Carolina visiting some school friends. And I think we must have got back in the backwoods with all these ta tall pine trees. And it must have been maybe in the springtime or something where all that yellow pollen, you know how that is when that starts happening, you know, you, you just went through that. And, I mean, your whole car turns yellow and you got to get another car wash. Well, for someone who has asthma, that could be bad, bad news. So I was in a back bedroom with some kids playing and I heard my parents laugh and they were having a good time. And all of a sudden I, I had an asthma attack. And my parents didn't know it. And I'm going to demonstrate to you what every breath was like with this asthma. It went like this. Uh, 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 uh. 
grieved all night like that. Now, even as a little kid, seven, eight, nine years old, I, I knew this was no way to live. And I literally felt like I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live like that. Well, somehow I got through that vacation. I don't know how that night ended. I made it through the night, but made it back home. And my mom was at the church one afternoon. My father was at the postal service where he worked for 21 years. And I was in the back bedroom. I was taking an afternoon nap, and my mom wasn't home from church. My mom did a lot of counseling, and I would say my mom was kind of like a Lester Summerall with a skirt on. <laughs> she was mean on unbelief and demons, and I mean, she would many times pr fast and pray, and when my mother used to fast, it, it was nothing but water, or like lemon squeezed in water. No food. You know, some churches like to go on the Daniel fast. I'm not kidding. Some people gain weight on the da Daniel fast. I, I think that's a little comical because the whole idea is denying your, your, your flesh so that your spirit is heard more. You know, people go on some of these fasts and they find ways. And I, I'm probably going off rail here because you guys probably did the Daniel fast. I don't know. But... <laughs> No Daniel fast here? Am I safe here? But this Daniel fast, you know, then they find out there's certain things you can eat on the Daniel fast that you're not supposed to eat this, but you can eat a lot of this. So really, you're just eating until you're satisfied, and then you're mixing it with a little prayer. My mom, she did like real fasting, like the kind that makes everyone uncomfortable in the whole family, like, man, we're not going to eat anything good for 30 days, you know, because <laughs> mom's fasting. She's not going to make anything great during that time. You know, it's, anyway, but I tell you what, when she would come out of these times of fasting, she was a powerhouse. She saw people totally demon-possessed, 100% set free. I mean, she went into one house, there was an invisible wall in the hallway where she had to keep pleading the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus just to get through the invisible wall. She was in a house where silverware flew out of the drawer the silverware drawer. Silverware flew out of the drawer. I mean, real stuff. Curtains blowing, no wind. And she would go in there, and she, these demons knew when my mom showed up, this is, the, this is the end of the road. She just walked in such great authority. So she was up at the church counseling. She came home one day, and I was having an episode, an asthma attack in the back room. And she saw me, and she put her arms underneath me, and she literally carried me out to the dining I, I was limp. I looked blue and purple in the face. I looked like I was just close to dying. She just laid me on the dining room table and just stood back. And my father just happened to walk in, always came home about 5.20 from work. Came in the door and said, what's wrong with Kevin? And she looked at my dad and she said, honey, she goes, we either have to have a miracle right now or we have to rush Kevin to the hospital, the emergency room. And they both come over to me. They stood next to me. Here I am laying out on the table, barely alive. I got to just tell you this little part is I woke up with Pentecostal parents every morning. I mean, every morning of my life, every morning of my life, I heard my parents praying, worshiping, crying, hands in the air, magnifying a God, the Lord at the foot of their bed, kneeled there, worshiping God 
every day that I, I was raised up in my parents. That was my heritage. That's what Pentecostals do. That's what Pentecostals do. They're standing there. And my dad goes, God, either there's power in the name or there's not. Either there's power in the blood or there's not. But we know there is. And so we right now lay hands on Kevin's body and we command life and we call his breath to come back to normal in the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, I took a big breath. I've never had another asthma attack from that day right there. Never. Never. Never had another asthma attack from that day. There's something about your testimony. When I just shared my testimony, did you sense something on that? What I did was I took you to that bedroom. And I took you to the moment that the Lord touched me. When I shared that with you just now, it activated the anointing of the moment that happened to me. That's why, why when the Bible says when you teach, you preach, God manifests His Word. You sense the presence of the Lord when I shared my testimony. But I want you to know when you out of your mouth. That's why we've learned about confession. Yes. Why do we talk about our words so much? Because Jesus is the high priest of your confession. And when you begin to speak something out of your word, it's your declaration of what you believe about the testimony of God, and it activates the anointing to manifest. Now, I understand you say, well, Brother Kevin, can you give us a little bit more scripture? Turn, if you would, to Acts, um, yes, Acts chapter 10. And let's see here, this is one of the most amazing events. Remember, we're connecting the dots, amen? We're connecting some dots here. And then I've got some examples, I've got some things to share with you that, um, you know, what we've seen, how we have, where we've come to. Now, the Bible says, just to remind you, that you have an anointing, anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Everyone say, I have an anointing. I have an anointing. Now, Jesus, when he got up in and, and, and Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, how many of you know when uh, Jesus got up in the synagogue and he said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. So what does the anointing, what did the anointing cause Jesus to do? It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He, he, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. So we got preaching. We got proclaiming. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to do what? The recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed to proclaim. So Jesus said, here's what the anointing will cause you to do. It will cause you to proclaim and to preach. To preach, proclaim. Proclaim and, pre and preach. The anointing is on you. And you have a ministry of reconciliation. Yes, right. You have a ministry of reconciling the world back into right standing with God. Amen. And when you share your testimony, there's anointing power of God 
activated ingredients on your testimony when you begin to speak. I'll tell you what, preachers, teachers, you know, these ministers, pastors, these pastors, we eat this kind of stuff up because this is our bread and butter. This is how we live. We, didn't, we would not even have ministries. We would not even have anything to do if it wasn't for the reality of, of what we're sharing with you. But the thing is, God's helping us see this is how the body of Christ is to function. So how many of you remember there in Acts chapter 10? Did you find Acts chapter 10? We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. So let me just catch you up to speed. Uh, Acts chapter 10 here, we see where there's a man named Cornelius. Of course, you all know who Peter is. You know, we love Peter. He walked on water, didn't he? Yes, he did. I said Peter walked on water, didn't he? Yes, he did. You know, I'm going to high five Peter. When, you know, we all say, well, and then he sank. Well, he walked on water. Yes, he did. I want to high five Peter and say, way to go, man. You know, you walked on water. Cool. And he did it with just puny faith. Jesus said, oh, little faith. That means the word puny. Actually, it means short-bursted faith. Because he was walking. He was doing pretty good. He was walking. But it says short-bursted faith. So that means he was walking, and then when he saw that it was wavy water. I, I, don't, I don't know if it, it makes sense to think that you could walk on normal water versus wavy water, but I, I guess it does look weirder looking at wave, you know, wavy water versus calm water. I don't know, just saying. But, uh, you know, he looked at the waves. That's when he began to sink. He looked at that instead of the word of the Lord. And so Jesus said, oh, thou of little faith or puny faith or short-bursted. Basically, he said, why did you doubt you were doing it? As long as you would have just kept putting the next foot in front of you and you didn't have short-bursted faith, you would have come in all the way. And I really don't believe that Jesus carried or dragged Peter back to the boat. Don't you think that they both walked back? Don't you believe that? Jesus just took Peter by the hand and they walked back. You, you don't really think that he did the, you know, the, the whole thing where you, you know, drag some. I don't think they did that. And uh, so Jesus knew something about the anointing and how to activate it. He's the one that got up in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. And he, the anointing is for me to preach. So here Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, we see that Cornelius... He was an Italian man, and he was a prayer, and he was a giver. And God wanted to bless him because he was a prayer, and he was a giver. Make no mistake, God sees every seed you sow. I want to say that again. Make no mistake about it. He sees every seed you sow. And uh, because he was a giver, the Lord sent an angel to him and said, there's a man named Peter that you need to have some of your servants go find him. He's in Joppa. And I've given him words for you. So the next morning, Cornelius sends a couple of his servants to go find Peter in Joppa. Well, it just so happens that around the same time as these men are traveling to meet Peter, Peter is up on the housetop, and he has an open vision, and he sees a sheet dropping down with these four-legged creatures in it. And, and to just cut to the chase, what the Lord said in this open vision was, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And he was showing him that there's no difference between the Greeks and the Jews and the Gentiles. That the Holy Spirit... 
has been given and has been now poured out, and it's for all men, not just for the Jews. So God is beginning to show and reveal to the body of Christ and through Peter in this vision that my gospel and the Holy Spirit is for all. So knock, knock, knock on the door. Peter comes to the door, and they said, we're looking for Peter, and he said, I'm, I'm him. And he, they begin to say how Cornelius, our servant, our master, sent us here to find you. He goes, I know, the Lord already showed me, revealed to me, I'm to go with you. So the next morning, they go to Cornelius' house. And when they come through the door, Peter walks in, and Cornelius falls to his knees and begins to worship Peter. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. He goes, don't worship me. He goes, there's only one person to be worshipped and to be magnified. And then Peter said, but I have come because the Lord has given me words for you. Now here's Cornelius. He's got his own family, and he's got all of his servants in his house. And Peter begins to testify. Now, Peter is not preaching out in, over by the sea. He's not preaching in the synagogue. Peter is in this man Cornelius' house, and he's just reporting, and he's just telling what he saw. Peter is just telling Cornelius and all of his servants and his family what they encountered in Jesus' ministry. And so I can only imagine how that went. Peter is talking to this family. He's going... It was the most amazing thing we've ever experienced. Jesus, just like it says, went about doing good. Healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. If you could only look into his eyes one time, Brother Hagin said, you know, the times that he saw Jesus face to face, he could actually describe what Jesus looked like in great detail. Someone asked Brother Hagin, why don't you have a picture of Jesus in your house? He goes, I haven't seen a picture of him. He goes, I haven't seen one picture yet that actually looks like him. He's seen him that many times. And I can imagine Peter going, we saw so many healings and miracles. How many of you know the, the, the scripture that says, those that were maimed and halt, they were healed. Can you imagine just being in a service where someone who had crippled fingers, all of a sudden they just straightened out? Can you imagine someone who didn't have a, a full limb all of a sudden in front of everyone? All of a sudden a leg drop, grew out. Brother Hagin talks and tells a testimony of a person, a, a person who wasn't even a minister, but God, God gave this one man uh, an anointing. Now this sounds a little strange, but he would spit on his hand and rub it on a person's arm where there was a little stub for an arm. And this man had an anointing from heaven, from God, where if he would rub that spit, he would spit and rub it on that little arm sticking out, and the whole arm grew out. I mean, do you remember him sharing that testimony, Shelly? Do you remember that, show? So, Brother, I, I heard him, because we were there 10 years. Shelly was there for three years with Brother Hagin. So, I, you know, we, we probably heard some things. that, And then I lost count how many times I went over to Brother Hagin's house just um, for root beer floats, watermelon, steaks, playing different kinds of games. I mean, I, I was able to ask questions from Brother Hagin about casting out devils right there in his living room. And uh, so I'm, I can imagine now Peter talking about his, his experience. Oh, you should have seen. Matter of fact, there were so many healings. There were so many miracles. There weren't enough books that could contain all. We, there, there were not enough books that could contain all the miracles he did. He was the greatest prophet, the greatest teacher, the greatest evangelist, the great apostle. 
We saw so many manifestations from the power of God. It was amazing. And then right before he, he went, he said, now, I want you to do what I did. He goes, but I don't want you to do it until you get the same power and anointing of the Holy Ghost that I was anointed with. And then I could imagine, now, I, I'm kind of just helping you go along with this. I, I'm imagining what may have happened because we see what happens here. The power of God falls while Peter's testifying. It's possible, Peter said, and then, this was awesome, right before Jesus left, he said, listen, I want you to do what I did, but don't do it yet until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll have the same power that I did this. I didn't do this as a man. I did it as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. And you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, it's going to be better for you that I go. Oh, Jesus, please just... Please tell us, how could it be better? We saw all these miracles, and you're going to tell us it's going to be better that, that you go? Come here, buddy. Come here. Here's how it's going to be better. This is you. Jesus said, I'm leaving. It's going to be better. This is what better looks like. Up till now, we've been together. You and I'm Jesus. But when Jesus left, he did this. He sent back the Holy Spirit. And he did one of these numbers. And he stepped on the inside of you and he zipped you up. He said, that was you, but no more. You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my voice. We are one. Hallelujah. Can you, get, you see that? You know, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ now lives in me. The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son who loved me and gave himself for me. One translation says this, I now consider myself as having died, and I'm now enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus now using my body. Wow. Woo! I now consider myself as having died, and I'm now enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus using my body. Well, this is what Peter's telling them. He's telling them all these things that they witnessed, what they encountered, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. They said, and then we did what Jesus said to do. We went to an upper room. There was 120 of us in that upper room. And right before, as Peter's talking, he says, and he commanded us, verse 42, verse uh, 42, Acts chapter 10, verse 42, and he says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. Everyone say testify. Testify. He told us to preach to the people and to testify. It is he who is ordained by God to judge of the living and the dead. And then look at verse, uh, 40, uh, four, 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 verse 44. It says, And while Peter still was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those that heard the word. So all Peter's doing is he's testifying. He's preaching. He just told the people in that household, Jesus told us to preach and to testify. He just told them, Peter is just telling them he's just doing what Jesus said to do. He's testifying of what he saw Jesus do for him. And the Holy Ghost went, boom! Yeah. Holy Ghost fell in that room. Why? Because someone testified. Now that doesn't mean that every time you share your testimony, the power of God is going to just fall and people are going to have some great, but I would, I would like to encourage you to do this. Learn how to share the shortest version of your testimony. If Billy Graham can share the whole gospel message in two and a half minutes, we ought to be able to show how, tell people how God healed our marriage 
or our left arm or how he came through with us and find, without boring people to tears for you know 20 minutes. Come on now, I'm just I'm being real. I'm trying to help the body of Christ out here. We we ought to if Billy Graham can do it in two and a half minutes, the whole gospel message. We ought to get proficient and get powerful. You know, I shared my testimony tonight how God healed me of asthma, and you felt it. I activated. I activated. I have a friend. Praise the Lord, I have a friend. Amen. How many of you are glad you got a friend? I want to share something with you. This, this was a, uh, a... Remember, I told you we're connecting the dots. All right? Connecting the dots. I have a friend. His name's uh, Brother Richard Moore. Matter of fact, there's up in... Um, what's just north of uh, Nashua or uh, Con Concord? Pastor Tom Pete's church. About uh, 15, 20 years ago, my friend Richard Moore, I, we weren't friends at the time, but they had like a five or six week revival. It was in the front page of the newspaper, that revival. Were you, do you, knew, you knew, you heard about that? So that was a significant re revival that happened up in this area. I want to give you the background story to that revival. Uh, Y'all don't want to know, do you? You want to know how that revival happened? So, this friend of mine, Richard Moore, he's really close friends with Rodney Howard Brown. Now, I don't know if, how many of you know who Rodney, but in the 80s and into the 90s, he had one of the most deepest, most powerful moves of God, and today, they're, they're still going, called the River Church in Tampa. My buddy Richard and brother Rodney are very close, very tight. I, w I got to be good friends with him. My wife, Annie, was at a meeting of Rodney Howard Brown's at Reggie Scarborough's church down there in Lakeland. And in the chip and dip, we call it the chip and dip room. That's where ministers go in the back service. That's all that's going on back there is chipping and dipping. That's all that's going on, chipping and dipping. That's all it's doing. So we're chipping and dipping back there. And Annie, uh, she meets my friend Richard. And, and, and as they got to talking, and he likes golfing, and, and, and they you know, found out I, I like golfing and said, hey, I bet you you all would get along. So we did, and man, we have been like best buds, one of my closest friends now. So we're out for lunch. We're getting ready to go play golf. We're sitting there having a burger. Got mustard on the face. <laughs> sitting there having a burger. And I, here's what ministers talk about sometimes. Hey, that, that last move of God, that thing when your ministry really kicked into another gear, how did that happen? What, what was going on with your ministry that when you really took off? Yeah. See, we like to talk about stuff like this. And so we're, we're uh, at this place having a burger. I said, uh, Brother Richard, I said, um, can you tell me, I heard about that revival up there at Tom Pete's. And I've heard about the signs and wonders and the miracles that you've had and demonstrations and the fire of God. He, everywhere he goes, it, it turns into a two or three meeting, two or three week meeting. The fire of God, I, I was just in one of his meetings actually for the first time. The fire of God is so real. And his, I mean, people are just plastered to the floor. I'm thinking, wow, this, this is real. The fire of God coming on people. Not just the power, not just the anointing, the fire of God. I mean, where they're just sh literally just shaking, and the power, it's like surging through them. I mean, just falling on people in the services. I'm thinking, wow. And, and so I'm sitting at this place, and I said, Brother Richard, can you tell me when that started, how that got started? Now, I'm not kidding. This is what he said to me. He goes, no, I can't tell you right now. I went, what? <laughs> no, I can't tell you. I, I said, why is that? He goes, well, if I... If I told you my testimony, you and I would be on the floor. <laughs> I, 
you know what, aren't you glad there's not a bubble over your head that says everything you're thinking? <laughs> because this bubble had to be on my head, Pastor Jim. And I, I'm thinking, dude, do you know who I am? I'm freaking Kevin Durant. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm not trying to be unreligious, but I traveled with Kenneth Hagin. I, if there's any strong anointing, I think I've been around it. My mom was one of the most powerful persons in my life. I traveled with Brother Hagen, 15 crusades a year for 10 years. I can't even begin to tell you services I've been in where five people came, four out of five people just walked up out of wheelchairs. I mean, I have seen some stuff. Now, this guy who I'm about to golf with, while we're eating a burger, we're getting ready to slip out and go to the golf course. He's saying, I can't tell you my testimony or we're going to be underneath this table. I mean, I, what? what? You know what? Some people would have shown disrespect, but you know what? I didn't. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to show respect to that right there. Because under the table means this. I'm going to start sharing with you my testimony. And when I do, the anointing is going to fall on you, and it's going to fall on me, and it's going to make us roll out of this booth, and we're going to be lost in the presence of God, and we're going to be laughing, or the fire of God's going to hit this place, and we're going to be on the floor, on the carpet. I'm thinking, so that was, when he said we would be on the floor, that was code for what I just said. And I knew it. I said, okay. So we play around the golf, and we're now in the parking lot getting ready to leave the golf course, and he gets a text from Rodney Howard Brown saying, could you fill in for me Sunday night? i got to be out of town. i got to be out of the pulpit. So Richard tells me, hey, I'm preaching at the River Church, filling in for Rodney Sunday night. If you're not doing anything, you know, we're live streaming the service. Go ahead and watch it. So I happened to be home, and he was out doing a meeting somewhere, and I'm home alone by myself. Just finished the, the, the dinner, put the, the, the dishes away, and I get out my iPad, and everything's dark, little lit over, light over the dining room table, and I got my iPad there, my little mini iPad. I'm sitting there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see my buddy minister for the first time. So he's preaching. I'm thinking, well, this is good. It was just like Pastor Jim doing the offering, you know, like he does. I mean, just good stuff, you know. I'm, I think, well, this is good. Right, but he's not doing anything better than I could do. I'm just saying, you know, it's nothing better than what my wife or what I do or any other man. I mean, it's just good preaching. Not, nothing spectacular. But he got to the end. He goes, now I want to share my testimony with you. I went, okay, here we go. <laughs> now I'm all. So I pull up my iPad, and I'm looking at that thing, and he starts saying, well, I'll tell you what happened to me. He said, I was preaching about healings and miracles and having nothing happen. And he goes, I got so discouraged, I wanted to get out of the ministry and go back into NASCAR, which is all my, my family members were all, all into NASCAR. He said, he went to God, he said, God, you're going to have to do something. He said, I can't keep talking about how big you are, about healings and miracles, and I, it's embarrassing to me, it must be for you. I, I, I haven't seen much happen. I know what you called me to do, but I know this isn't what you've intended, and I can't keep doing this. He said, Lord, you're going to have to show me what to do. I'll do anything you say to do. And so the Lord spoke up to his spirit. He goes, okay, every time you get out of every one of your services, I want you to go get in Brother Rodney Howard Brown's services. I want you to follow him around. Every time you're not preaching, I want you to get into every one of his services. 
Wow, you have no idea what kind of a workload that would be. He did it, and he did it for eight months. Him and Brother Rodney are in Daytona Beach, and they're standing on the beach. And they're both just looking at the ocean, talking, and all of a sudden, Brother Rodney goes, well, Richard, i got to go upstairs. He goes, I've got the service tonight. i got to go get ready for the meeting tonight. And so he just leaves and goes upstairs. And Richard just standing there on the beach. His, his heart's like crying out to God, Lord, when, when is things going to change here? I don't know how long I can do this. Brother Rodney goes up to his hotel room, and he looks out the window, and he sees his friend Richard down there on the beach. And the Lord says this. He goes, go back down there. And I want you to tell him this. Tell him he's passed the test. Brother Rodney goes downstairs, out the elevator, walks on the beach. Brother Richard is facing the ocean. And Rodney walks up to him. He goes, you passed the test. Now go ahead and sit down. I'm watching Brother Richard tell this. And when he did, he pulled up an usher, like this man here. He pulled up an usher to the front. And he goes, here's what Rodney did. He walked up behind me and he tapped me three times. Tap, tap, tap. And he said, when he said, you've passed a test, he goes, something changed. When he said that to the usher, the power of God hit this usher so hard. He goes, I need another usher. He goes over to this side of the room. He goes, yeah, you usher, come, come over here. Brother Richard walks up behind him. He, he did what Rodney did. He taps him on the shoulder three times. Tap, tap, tap. You've passed the test. The power, the Holy Ghost came on this brother in such a degree. And then he goes over there. And then so that usher's gone. He goes, I need another usher. Another usher. Now, I'm, I'm not making this up. He is going through ushers left and right. I'm sitting there watching my iPad and it dawns on me. I may have been underneath that table <laughs> the day I asked him to share his testimony. At that point, I was pretty convinced we would be underneath that table. The power of my iPad went out. My iPad never goes out. I'm watching this demonstration. I'm in the middle of thinking maybe I would have been under that table and my iPad completely shuts off, can't even get, get it to run. I'm thinking, I'm sitting there going, what just happened? He's just sharing his testimony. Brother Rodney says that Richard, my friend Richard, has never ever gotten all the way through his testimony. The power falls and messes up the service. Never has gotten through. <laughs> You know, one time, just, just kind of messing with my friend Richard, I said, you know, there's part of your testimony I didn't quite get. <laughs> Could you back up to where you were on the beach? I, there, what exactly did, and you know what? I've been in a hotel, we've been on a, like a golf outing with ministers, and we've been in a hotel room. I said, Richard, there's something I'm not sure if I got just right. Could you back up to that one part of your testimony? And, and he would start telling it, and hey, that's it. We're both in the hotel, saturated with the Holy Ghost. We're laughing like a couple schoolgirls. Just, <laughs> just as goofy and silly and just enjoying the presence of the Lord, the joy of the Lord just filling us and just saturating us and overcoming us. And we're just enjoying the presence. Uh, just, just talking about the testimony. The moment the testimony. No one can argue with your testimony. 
And I want to share something with you, and then we're going to lay hands on people because I believe we're care. I'm a carrier because I, I shared it with you this morning, and I'm going to share it with you again. What the Lord told me in in India about activating this anointing. So, Brother Hagen is the last story I'll tell you. I actually have numerous testimonies of how people have activated the anointing. Annie does it now. She'll get up and talk about the time when she was in a hotel room. I was telling pastor about it today where the hand of the Lord came upon her. She had started to leave her body and then all of a sudden she came back into her body. And the Lord said, you've been operating with anointing by association with Brother Hagen. And he said, now this one's yours. Instead of it being like a hot coal of fire in her hand, it became electrical. Like it's like an electrical current went through her fingers, through her arms, and up to her shoulders. That's why she's in Africa. Because she's on assignment. But these things are real. These things are real. So here's some things. If you've ever read Brother Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions, you'll appreciate this. In that book, I Believe in Visions, I'll tell you what, if you ever wanted to get stirred in your heart to have more encounters with God, you know, the Bible says in the last days, he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision upon my servants. I'll pour out my spirit upon my handmaidens. I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. We ought to be experiencing encounters, not just listening to voices, but because you're born again, because you're filled with the Holy Ghost, because you know his word, you'll, you'll know what's truth and what's coming from God and not just some voice out there. Because we can always compare uh, anything that we hear as far as from the spirit realm in line with the word of God. He'll never go against his word. But I want to encourage you to desire and cultivate and want to have encounters with him. In Brother Hagen's book, if you read that, that book, I Believe in Visions, I couldn't put that book down the night I read it. I ha I'm not a big time reader of books, but that night I couldn't put it down. I thought Jesus was going to walk into my room that night just because I read that book. And he's talking about the rock wall vision where he's in a tent meeting and they were just praying around the altar because it began to rain and a lot of people didn't show up that would have been there because of this storm. And so he just said, let's all gather around the altar and let's just pray. And now as they were praying, Brother Hagen hears this voice that said, come up, come up hither. Come up hither. Come up hither. And Brother Hagen, this is how real it was to him. Now he's, he's having an open vision because his eyes are open, but he sees Jesus. He looks up to the top of the, uh, the top of the tent where they were meeting in. He thought someone had crawled up there and was making fun of the meeting, like, like, come up hither. You know, somebody just acting goofy, and it's a it's a spiritual event there. And someone, he, Brother Hagen, thought someone was making fun of what they were doing. But when he looked up, he saw Jesus standing there, not somebody else. He saw Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, and goes, "Come up hither." Come up hither, come up to the throne of God. Brother Hagen says how his spirit immediately went shot straight up and they met together at the top of the tent and then they shot up and went to heaven. Now they're in heaven and Jesus standing in front of Brother Hagen said, stick out your hands. Brother Hagen put his hands out and then Jesus took the finger of his right hand and put it in the palm of both of his hands and when he did, this hot coal of fire sensation like a burning began to manifest in both of his hands. And Jesus said, I've called you, I've anointed you, and I've placed a special anointing in your hands. He said, he said, it's not in your head. I didn't tell you to lay your head on anyone, but it's in your hands. I want you to lay hands. Now listen to this. Here's Jesus. We're connecting the dots. Are you all ready to get this? We're connecting the dots. If there's anyone about, that knows something about activation, Jesus does.
For years, I thought, see, Jesus told Brother Hagin, you have to tell the people I, I appear to you. You have to tell them I put the finger in my right hand, the palm of your both, uh, both of your palms of your hands. In order for this anointing to work, you have to tell the people. Matter of fact, if you don't tell the people, this anointing won't work. But the, now let's watch this. Jesus said, you can read it. The bolder you tell it, the more this anointing will work. I thought, Shelley, for years, Brother Hagin was saying that, and he had to do it out of obedience, when really Jesus was just telling Brother Hagin, you have to tell it, and you have to tell it boldly, because Jesus knew how to activate. Come on. So oh, man. Oh, man. This is a game changer for us. For us. I said, this is a game changer. Yeah, Are you all seeing it? Yeah. I mean, we see it in Cornelius' life. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. Now, Brother Hagin's testimony makes more sense to us. I mean, we, we just could I, could, I could go on and tell you more testimonies. This is why Brother Rodney, people like Richard Moore. I, oh, I wish I had time to just keep telling you more activation mm. examples. How many of you just got an impartation just now? How many, how many of you just believe you received something just now? You believe you received that? Well, listen, I was in India. This is what we wanted to get to. We're about to lay hands on people. Because God wants to do some things for, some special things for people that are in this service. Amen. I've been places where the Lord said, no, not here. But the Lord said to do it here. So I was woken up 4.30 in the morning in India of all places. And as I'm waking up in the middle of the night, the Lord said, there's a new anointing for a new harvest. Now, I'll tell you, that new harvest can mean a lot of things. It could be your finances. I know that the Father, the Lord of the harvest, needs us. We are, we're his hands. We demonstrated that tonight. We're his hands. We're his voice. Your greatest fulfillment in life will be when you come in contact with people where you're an extension of the love of God and your testimony changes someone from darkness and translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. God said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that you're thinking about, concerned about, wondering about, your kids, your family, your work, your relationships. God said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, listen, <laughs> you'll have no more concerns. All those things will be added unto you. My challenge to you tonight is to embrace the grace. Everyone say, I'm going to embrace the grace. I'm going to embrace say it one more time. Mix, mix your faith with it. Don't just say it because the preachers. Close your eyes for a moment. Would you close your eyes and say, Lord, do something new in me. Tonight, do something new in me. Father, we ask you for this new anointing, for a new harvest. A new anointing for a new harvest. Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands and for a moment, just drawing an imaginary circle around you, forgetting everything else. Lord, I thank you for the glory. 
Father, I thank you for a new anointing, for a new harvest. In Jesus' name.